My cotton tesai number days, your inner place matters. A Talmud of, of ours who lives in Los Angeles, a regular participant in the Shir and a big supporter of Matmanim because Matmanim needs support apart from needing people who are learning together, asked me to dedicate the Shir to the Rafua Shlemo of Arela Rifka Batsipura, a wonderful young woman in Los Angeles who's been diagnosed with cancer and she's uh, struggling to overcome it. This piece of Gomorrah, our learning today, defines so clearly the Lithuanian approach, which is really the only approach that I'm qualified to, to teach you, because it's the only approach that all my rabbeim have in common. Um, and you'll see how what, what a clear understanding it is and how difficult it is to live Torah according to the Lithuanian approach in the world in which we operate today. Uh, and the piece of Gomorrah is, it uh, starts at the bottom of Tesayinam with Aleph. Shuf pam echod gazar rebi shelo yeshanu letalmidim bashuk. Rebi made a, a regular a regulation, a decree. My students should not teach Torah in the marketplace. Not in public, that's not where you teach Torah. So you already see this is a little bit counterintuitive for our day today where everybody's teaching Torah, so to say, in the marketplace, whether it's on the digital marketplace or the physical marketplace, it's all over the place. And we look at it and we think that's wonderful, and in many ways it is. Um, but uh, but Rebbe gave that instruction to his Talmudim. And he learned it from the uh, from the Posuk, just as the thigh is a private part of a human being, it's not the part that it's displayed, so it's also should be private. Yotzer Rabbi Chia, Rabbi Chia was a Talmud of Rabbi's, went out He went and taught his two nephews in a, in a public place. They were sitting in a public place, and he was teaching them Torah. Not such a terrible thing, one would think. To, to Rav and to Rabbi Baba Chana. Shoma, Rabbi Ikpid, Rabbi got very upset with him. And this whole sugi of Gemara deals with what do you do when you've upset your Rabbi? Uh, that's really what the what the uh, topic of the of the sugi is. But in in the process of that, we have this gem of a story, and then there's a backwards and forwards with with Rebbe and and uh, Rabbi Chia. Then the Gemara comes on and says, "My time over, Marhachi. Why did Rabbi Chia do that when Rebbe had told him not to teach in public? Why did he do it?" We have another pasuk that says, "Chochma." will rejoice when it's out in the public. That's when wisdom is at its best, when it's in the public. Rebbe said, Im karita lo shanita. If you read that posuk, you certainly haven't reviewed it. You haven't gone deeper into it. You haven't understood the chazal on it. Bim shanita, and if you went a little deeper, lo shilashta, you didn't go deep enough. Bim shilashta lo pirshulach. And if you did go deep enough, you didn't have a Rebbe who explained it to you. You can't just pull a, a, a posuk out of the Torah and give a drosha on it the way people do today. You can't do that. Firstly, you've got to make sure that you've gone through all the chazal on that posuk and you understand it with all the, the oral or the Torah Shabbat pair that comes with it. And then you need to go to a rabbi and make sure that what you want to say in that posuk is aligned with the Masoira, with the tradition handed down from Moshe to, to Yeshua, to the Kenim as we know, all the way through that what you're saying is a continuation of Matan Torah, of the giving of the Torah, and that you're not making up things which aren't authentic. You need to check that out, and you obviously haven't checked. 
Chokhmah b'chutz tarona k'derova. Chokhmah b'chutz tarona is as Rova later on explained. Do'ama Rova kol ha'isik b'torah mibifnim. Torato machrezet alav mibachutz. You don't have to take the Torah out into the public. If you learn and teach Torah in, 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 in privacy, when you're in the public, your Torah projects itself automatically. You don't have to impose your Torah on the public. Your Torah will be experienced by the public. Um, but haven't we, we talked about, isn't there a posuk that we haven't, uh, the Torah is not given in secret? How will be Yomit Answers the Gemara, that's on the Yomit there are times when we have conferences, when thousands, hundreds or thousands of, of Tamidi Chachomim get together and they're Divrei Torah there. That's fine. That, those are times designed for, for publicly exploring and teaching and learning the Torah. There are, there are moments for that, but it's not an everyday affair. How does Rabbi Chia understand that posuk that Rebbe brings that it has to be taught in, in, in privacy? Says Rabbi Chia, that's not the teaching of Torah. That is the giving of tzedakah and doing chesed. That should be done secretly. That should be done privately because that embarrasses people. So where there's a potential for embarrassment by doing something in public, we do it in private. Uh, but, but Rebbe holds, and this difference of approach between Rabbi Chi and Rebbe goes until today. But the Lithuanian appro- approach clearly follows the, the shita of Rebbe, that Torah is meant to be in, in, without publicity and aggrandizement. That's the essence of it, just to check all the time that there's no publicity and aggrandizement in Torah. Torah doesn't need it. The... Um, Maharal explains because Chochma itself is, it's, he bases it on, on the posuk of et tsnuim Chochma. Chochma, wisdom, follows tsnuim, people who are the opposite of aggrandizement and publicity, whatever that word is. It's not modesty, it's not, it's, it's, it's a different, it's the opposite of aggrandizement. And, and Chochma, wisdom, follows those people, explains the Maharal because wisdom is hidden. When you look at something, when you look at an idea superficially, when you look at a chazal, you learn a posuk, you learn a piece of Gomorrah, you, you're not getting to the chokhmah. To get to the wisdom, you've got to get to the soul of the idea. And the soul of the idea is not evident on the surface. You've got to work and probe and dig and find the matmon, find that precious treasure. It's under the surface. Gold doesn't lie on the surface of the ground. Diamonds don't lie on the surface of the ground. They're underground. You've got to dig for them. They're hidden. There's tzniyut, where there is preciousness, there's tzniyut. Where there's value, there's tzniyut. The reason something is valuable is because it's not readily available. That's what makes it valuable. Or that's part of its manifestation of value. And so wisdom as well, says the Maharal, is not evident on the surface. It's hidden. And so to be a person who who can reveal the hidden, you need to be a person who lives in that hidden space. That hidden space is where the neshama is. A Jewish person lives in the world of the soul, of the essence, and that's under the surface. That's where we operate. That's where we think. That's where we are. That's where we. That's where our lives are. And you've got to get down there. If you get down there, then, as Rebbe says, automatically your 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 chokhmah, your wisdom, will radiate. People will pick it up. You don't have to blast it on the loudspeakers. Just your being. If you are such a person, your being will manifest it. 
We spoke about Reb Daniel Mofshevitz a few times recently, Reb Daniel of Kelm, and I, I told you about, about him, son-in-law of Reb Nochem Zev Ziv, who was the son of, of Reb Simchazisel Ziv, the author of Kelm, who was the Talmud of Reb Yisrael Salanta. And I just today, just this morning, I saw an article that described how when Reb Daniel Mofshevitz used to walk from his house to the Kelm Talmud Torah, where he was the Rosh Hashiva, uh, the the going the women uh, the non-Jewish women used to kneel at the side of the road and cross themselves when he walked down because they thought they were in the presence of God. That's how the now, he didn't go out and give shiurim and and put stuff out there on on Facebook about anything. He just walked from his house to the base of Edrish. but they could see even an, a non-Jewish woman in Kelm, a peasant woman, could see the kedusha, could feel the kedusha that came from a person being there. When you're operating in that lower level. You don't have to shout it from the rooftops. It just it just projects, it just manifests from you because that's where you are. And that's who these great people were. I often tell the story of how when I was a little boy, and I know I was little because we were with, I was with the Ponovizhirov and my father had asked me to take him into the airport building. And I remember my, he was holding my hand and my hand was high. So I must have been very small when, when he did that. But I remember it so clearly and I was so embarrassed. My father said, take him into the airport. In those days, the airport halls were full of people seeing friends and relatives off as a social occasion. And this was on a Sunday, if I remember correctly. And he said, I'll go and park the car. You take the Ponovizhirov into the airport. I thought I was so embarrassed. I'm going to walk in with this elderly rabbi with his long coat and long beard. What are people going to think? I was trembling. And the Ponovizhirov took my hand and we walked into the airport building. And as we walked in, there was a hush and everybody stood up. What did they know? They'd never seen the man before. What did they know? That's, that's what the, if, 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 you're, if the Torah is bifnim, Torah the Torah automatically, you don't have, the fact that you have to go and shout it and talk it and publicize it and put it out there means it's not Torah. It shouldn't need that. It should be so deep, so noble, so beautiful that anybody that comes across you is able to feel is able to feel some of it. That's what we really mean by it. Now, another um, Talmud of, uh, another son-in-law of Reb Nochem Zev Ziv, so that's a brother-in-law of Reb Dunil, was a man whose name you've heard was Reb, Reb Elio Desla, the author of the Mikhtav Meliyahu. He was a great-grandson of, of Reb Yisrael Salanta. And, um, and a brother-in-law, he was also a Talmud of, of Reb Nochem Zev, and he was a, uh, a brother-in-law of, of Reb Daniel Mofshevitz. Then he went to England. For Reb Daniel Mofshevitz was killed in the war. Uh, Rebellia Desla was, was fortunate he had to go to England for his father's health, and they, he stayed, he got a position as a rabbi in London. Then he went to Gateshead and led the Kolod in Gateshead. Until 1947, when the Ponovich had re-established the Ponovich Yeshiva in Bnei Brak and was looking for a mashkiach for his yeshiva. Uh, and there was nobody left. There was nobody around. He turned to Rebellia Desla, and Rebellia Desla went to Bnei Brak and became the first mashkiach of Ponovich Yeshiva. In 1944, he gave a, sh- a shir in London talking about our Gomorrah. And in, in explaining the Gomorrah, he brought a Yerushalmi, a very beautiful Yerushalmi from Tainis, amazing Yerushalmi from Tainis, um, about Rabbi Yavohu, uh, and a man named Pantokaka. And Pantokaka was a proprietor of a house of prostitutes. That was his job. And the strange thing was Rabbi Yavohu discovered that when Pantokaka prayed for rain, it rained. 
And then he just saw it over and over again. It just worked. He had the power to be able to daven for rain. And it didn't make sense to him. So he went to Pantakaka and he said, what do you do? What is your job? He said, I, uh, I take care of, uh, uh, of prostitutes and, uh, and uh, any mitzvahs. He said, no, I just do our various. All the time I'm doing our various. So Rabbi Avol says to him, but, but something, is there not some mitzvah that you've done? And he said, once there was a woman that his husband was jailed and she wanted to try and free him. So she came to me and said, I'm willing to sell myself. I'm willing to join your, your business. I, I need money. I've got to get my husband out of jail. And I, Pantokaka, said, I sold my bed and my bedspread, which was very beautiful. And all the money I got from that, I gave to her. And I said, don't do it. There's no need for you to sell yourself and to demean yourself. Here's the money and get your husband out of, out of jail with that. And then the... Uh, Rabbi Avo says to him, Kedai at mitanya. I understand you are now worthy. I understand why you're worthy of praying for rain and getting answered. Um, and the Korban Aida explains, the Korban Aida is one of the two great perushim of the Yerushalmi, 18th century. They both opened up the Yerushalmi, the Korban Haida and the Pnei Moshe, about the same period of time. Korban Aida was a rov in Berlin. We've spoken to him about him before. Very, both of them were very revolutionary and opened up the way and, and made the Yerushalmi intelligible to people. He was also famous, the Korban Aida was one of the, David Frankel was one of the first Rabbonim in, in Europe to give a drosha in the local vernacular in German uh, rather than in Yiddish on a particular occasion. So he, he really broke the way through. And he explains that the uh, Mizenire, from the story you've just told me of what you did with this one woman, I understand. I understand. Now, why you keep a, a house of prostitutes? Um, because what you're trying to do is, I get it now. You're trying to saturate the market with non-Jewish prostitutes who are willing to sell themselves for that. So that when the non-Jews are looking for prostitutes, they don't look for Jewish girls because there are enough non-Jewish girls. You're, you're saturating the market. I understand that. And Rabilio Desler brings us as an example of, so this man looks at his life and says, it's full of Averas. I do terrible things. He doesn't look and say, but I'm doing it L'Shem Shemayim. I'm a tzaddik. He doesn't look at and say, but once I had this case, until Rabbi Avo probes him, he doesn't even think of that one case. And he doesn't even realize he's doing mitzvahs. Says Rabilio Desler, most of us think our Averas are mitzvahs. Doing it L'Shem Shemayim. We're doing it for good, good reason. But tzniut is when even your mitzvahs you're worried about that they're not mitzvahs, that they're not fully mitzvahs. As the, the Rambam says at the end of, of Makkas on the whole piece of Lefichach, Hibalahem, Torah, Mitzvot, says the Rambam that if you do a mitzvah, if you do one mitzvah that has no self-interest, but it's done just for Ava, just for love of Hashem. There's no self-aggrandizement, no self-satisfaction. You don't look at this. Rabbi Yodesla says that doesn't just mean that you don't publicize your actions. They're not even important to you. You're, the reason you're not publicizing it because you don't think they're so wonderful. That, because you understand what a wonderful mitzvah really is. You've learned enough Torah, not just Torah should be, be not just the Torah Shibinigle, not only Halacha, you've learned Soid, you've learned Kabbalah, you've learned Musa, you know what a mitzvah has to be, how pure, how deep, the high quality you need in doing a mitzvah. You know that your mitzvahs aren't really mitzvahs. You know that, That's why you don't publicize it, because they're nothing, they don't mean it as much to you. 
That's the kind of thing, when you do a mitzvah that's with no self-interest, then, then it's possible to, to, in a, to, to build your soul in such a way that it lasts for eternity. And that's why Hashem was marbe mitzvot, because He gave us so many mitzvot, that because there's so many mitzvot that surely you were able to do one mitzvah in your life properly. With that one mitzvah that you did right, you've got Olam Haba. That's why he gave us all these mitzvahs. So what do we do? We get involved in the quantity, doing another mitzvah, doing another mitzvah, doing a mitzvah, and we go and we get all hectic about our mitzvahs. Fine, it's okay. It's good to do lots of mitzvahs. But just one quality mitzvah is all that's needed. And a quality mitzvah means a mitzvah that's done in sniut. A mitzvah that's done quietly, without aggrandizement, without publicity, just done quietly, because that elevates the soul. That lifts up the nefesh, that lifts up the neshama. To be able to learn Torah for its own sake, to be able to teach Torah quietly to people who really need to understand it and want to and are willing to understand it as it really is, not having to sugarcoat Torah to make it palatable, but to be able to learn it as it is, to be committed to emet, to the truth, to checking that what we're learning and what we're teaching is authentic and is true. Then if we're able to do it, do it that way, if you learn Torah internally, that's what's important. It's not so much about not doing it in public, it's the internal. The problem with when we do things is in, in public is we lose the internality. It becomes an external thing. We were concerned about the image. How's it getting over? How are people taking to it? How am I considered? How am I thought of? The focus is on the external. But if you can if you can really learn Torah on the inside, and we see from Rabbi, from Rabbi Chia, and how much more so the other mitzvahs that have to be learned, from, have to be done in the inside. If you can le- really learn Torah from the inside, Torah you don't have to worry about the outside. You'll walk down the street and the non-Jewish women will kneel and cross themselves because they'll feel they're in the presence of divinity. That's what a Jew is meant to be. Uh, that, that's what a Jew is. All that inner work. And, and in our lives today, everything is so outer. The, the digital work and the, the social media world and the, the world in which we operate with, with publicity and with acceptance in the world and with, with uh, followers and likes. And it's all so outward that we don't have a t- the chance to be able to really focus on what a quality mitzvah is. And a quality mitzvah is one where there's no focus whatever on self-aggrandizement. And says the Rambam, even if you only achieve that once in your life, once in your entire life, you do a mitzvah without any self-interest, that once is enough to be koinah the whole of Olam Habah.